Hey, Scott. Hey, Nick. Oh, what's up? Why do you look so down? I just... I can't believe Back to the Future Minute is over. Hey, it's okay, man. You got Spider-Man Minute. You got the Doctor's Companion. What more do you want? What? You want your favorite uh, scientist and little uh, little assistant? You want me to do Dr. Marty? <gasps> right? You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, who the hell put this on? It's on random. For God's sake. Look, it's not that I want to keep doing Back to the Future Minute forever. I'm just trying to say that I need something a little more. I want to get out there and do interesting stuff. Podcast a little. And I'd love to be able to do it with you, but I want you to want to do it too. I agree. We should get out there, but what can we do? How about a Cornetto? A Cornetto? Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. First, we'll start with a bite of Shaun of the Dead. Then, we'll take some shots of hot fuzz, and later, we'll wrap it all up with a couple of pints at the world's end. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! The Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we take car, go to mums, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, and have a nice cold pint one minute at a time. It all blows over starting with Shaun of the Dead this October at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 2, one painterly minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And today we're talking Minute 2 of Spider-Man 2, which is (laughs) still credits, uh, but it's the credits that begin with uh, the tail end of Toby's credit that we talked about yesterday and ends with the visual effects designed by John Dykstra credit, ASC, at the end. Um, this is, this is the first part of the movie that's, uh, different than Spider-Man 1, other than the, the color change, where I guess the credits were red colored yesterday versus blue colored in the first film. But now we have official visual differences here, courtesy of Alex Ross paintings. Um, yes. Which, dang, dang, they're good looking. Yep. Um, they really are. Um, I'm surprised almost a- Alex time. Ross <laughs> makes me feel like a monster Um, (laughs) because uh i i he's been around for so long you know alex Mm. ross for those of you don't know him i you know i am sure there's someone listening to this who doesn't know alex ross by name but but he's he's the the artist who has that sort of um 
painter style that is uh, hyper detailed where they, the the people that he paints almost look like photographs. They're so mm-hmm. realistic. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's obviously doing the, the pieces here, although the pieces in the the credits are actually a little outside his his style like they are yeah. more um more like colored colored pencils and 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 uh watercolor is what it looks right. like to me right uh yeah. whereas typically he he paints with oils and things like that he's mm-hmm. he's very much um you know kind of a norman rockwell style artist yes yeah yeah this like beautifully realistic rendering of pop culture icons basically right. like anytime so, you've seen like a oh this superman image looks like a painting that's probably alex ross yeah mo- yeah most likely um yeah. so so alex ross uh <clears throat> even if you don't if you, if you can't think of any of his art you've definitely seen it everyone has seen alex ross art yeah uh you might not have known it was a painting that's how realistic he draws <laughs> um and he and he tends to draw like co- costumes is one of the things that he's really known for realistic mm-hmm. looking costumes like what would they actually look like wearing these costumes mm-hmm. uh he he tends to do that he he draws like you know he paints seams and um yeah. he'll, he'll put the wrinkles in and uh all of that so anyway very very detail oriented and the guy's been around forever mm-hmm. he's been you know drawing comics since 1990 his first uh his first published work as a comic was uh a terminator miniseries oh in really 1990. Huh. yeah wow um so he's been around forever however the thing that i didn't realize was that when he started he was only 20 years old um, right after graduating high school he got a job at an advertising agency as a storyboard artist which parlayed into the terminator thing uh, ah and he <laughs> Has been a full-time artist since graduating high school. Just immediately became Jesus. a full-time artist. And uh, <laughs> when he drew, when he drew these pieces yeah. for the sequence, uh, the credit sequence of of, of Spider-Man Two, uh, mm. he was uh, thirty-two. My age. He was my age. Oh. He was okay. my age when he did oh. this. When he did this. When yeah. He did this. Two thousand. Yep. Okay. My my age when he did that, which means he had already done Marvels and Kingdom Come, God. two two of the most important comics works ever. Ever, and certainly, yeah. certainly. So he know, did those in his twenties. Okay, that's yep. fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> he did Marvels at twenty four, and he did Kingdom Come at twenty five, twenty six. Oh yeah. God. Okay. Yeah, that's like the uh, comics equivalent of like looking at a director like. Uh, like Ryan Coogler and be like, man, that guy's really killing it. How old is he? <gasps> How old is he? <laughs> yeah. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Coogler's right. Coogler's a year younger than me. Um, <laughs> horrifying. Um, yeah. Horrifying. Anyway. But good. I mean, I'm uh, amazed. I. I. Some. There's some humans where they're so impressive that like where my jealousy starts eventually loops back around to just like being proud that i'm the same species as them like when you watch the olympics and you're like oh i could never do that but it's so cool that humans can do that Mm -hmm. uh that's great this is kind of how i feel with yeah you just you just loop all the way around to just awe yeah yeah exactly i am i i am i am not worthy of calling myself a human being when human (laughs) beings are capable of doing what you do (laughs) yeah oh man well that's uh amazing and terrifying but yeah he 
he knocked these out of the park, I think, mm-hmm. especially considering it's slightly different than he, you know, would normally be painting these things. And, and, and even specifically, I mean, there was like a big sort of interview that Alex Ross did for IGN where he, you know, uh, talked about a little bit of his process and his favorite superheroes and something like, and, and things along, along those lines. And one thing I liked about that interview was he talked about, if it's not clear, at least like one of his big skills is capturing a likeness of a person and rendering them. So they look like a real human being. Um, right. You know, that, that's, he's real good at that. It's his, you know, he's not like tuning his own horn too hard, but he's like, that's the thing I do that I'm good at. And so when he was talking about his favorite, um superheroes growing up like who he likes to draw or read or work on or anything his favorite superhero to draw is superman and it's the one he's like most associated with associated with i think um yeah he has love for those old fleischer superman cartoons and you know he would talk about how they had a big impact on him growing up and he likes to try to evoke in in a painting of superman he tries to evoke that same feeling in the art that that he had when he was like watching the cartoons or whatnot um Mm -hmm. however his favorite superhero growing up was Spider-Man mm-hmm. in terms of like actually reading comics and following the story and like really cheering on the, you know, like sitting down with a comic book, his like favorite character was Spider-Man. And what's a little crazy if you look at like the long arc of his work and his commissions and whatnot and where he's often doing it is he doesn't really work with that character that much in his professional career other than Marvel's, which was, you know, his first like, huge thing on the scene which uh, which i just want to point i i I, while we're just talking about him drawing sure yeah of course yeah uh, yeah that well one of the things Mm. that i really admire about the way that he draws the spider-man characters Mm. is that i've never been i've never been a huge fan of the way he draws spider-man necessarily Mm -hmm. because again one of the things that makes spider-man really work is that the that the costume is kind of unrealistic yeah Um, it's almost impossible right yeah yeah. uh you know to the point where when we get to it when we get to the recreation of of um amazing spider-man uh number 50 that Mm. that cover when we get to that later in the movie you know Mm. you compare the two and it's just it's uncomparable because it like literally the costume in this movie to make it look good on a person wearing it. It can't hang out of the garbage can the way that it does in yeah. the comic because that's <laughs> that fabric can't do both of those things. It can't look the way that it does when Spidey's wearing it in the comic. It can't um, look the way that it does hanging out of the garbage can. It can't do both right. of those things. Right, uh, right. That's why the they solved that problem with um, Homecoming a little bit by having a vacuum seal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's anyway. a long way around to saying I don't. I'm not crazy about the way he draws Spider-Man in costume. It's not his fault. It's yeah. just it's just the side effect of of how he draws. Period. He likes you know? to draw like the the way fabrics would actually look. Right. And this character is predicated on you know drawing it in an unrealistic way, and that's right. what he that's what he pointed out in the interview was I he didn't really work with him that much because it's not that fun when you have somebody with a sock on their head. Right. Like, he's interested in, you know, creating the wrinkles and crinkles in people's faces and the glint in their eye. Right, and, you know, which the, is their... exactly why the thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to give, that I was really impressed by in Marvels mm-hmm. yeah. is he created the look of the Green Goblin <gasps> being the mask and the, the, the eyes as lenses that you can yes. see Norman's face through. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, in many ways, 
he the way that he depicted the Green Goblin in Marvels, which is the first time it had ever happened that way. Right, with the goggle eyes. Yeah. With the goggle eyes. He, it, it is because of him and because of his choice of doing that is how we got to, you know, the, the goblin design in the original Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, Defoe's yeah. goblin. Because, like his, yeah, his, it wasn't a The it's DNA's been there. Yeah. yeah. It's not a helmet in his in his design, but it is it, – they are lenses that you mm, can see. Where you can see, see Norman's through. eyes. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can see, and like, it's, it's the such a striking – a striking image and a cool way to do it that came out of the, his like, how do I work around <laughs> this, this thing that's in my way, which is right. this type of character isn't normally fun for me to draw. And so um, what I thought was kind of cool about this was when they brought him in to do these paintings, uh, he was excited about it because it was kind of a unique way where it's not just drawing the character Spider-Man for a comic. It's, the goal with these paintings is to recreate the look of the people in the film, which mm-hmm. is something he's uniquely qualified at because you got to reflect the likeness of the actors uh, more so than, uh, you know, just sock man all the time. So like he, he finally had an opportunity where like his perfect thing he was great at lined up with his favorite character and he could like merge them together again. And Another, like, Alex Ross connection that's probably worth pointing out, not only is the DNA of his Marvel's design of Goblin um, threaded through the first film, but they actually brought him in for a few weeks as a concept designer on the film to take a crack at the the Goblin and uh, Spider-Man designs. And they didn't end up using them, but they were so cool and people liked them so much that that redesign that Alex Ross did of the Spider-Man suit when he was working as a... Uh, conceptual artist for the first Spider-Man film in 2002 became the basis for the superior Spider-Man costume when Dan Slott did the superior Spider-Man arc where the the costume that Alex Ross designed in 2002 was red and black where it you know comes to a point in the center and everything yeah he he came up with the basic um, DNA of that then and it didn't end up in the movie but it like so immediately became a thing people latched onto that it eventually came back around to the comics. So, I mean, this guy, like, he's just, he's something else. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and I do like that it all came together in this uh, credit sequence. And probably it's also worth mentioning, not for nothing, that um, after these paintings were made, because, you know, they scanned them for the movie and then they put them in the credit sequence and whatnot, he still physically had the paintings that he made. Right. And he auctioned them off. Um, he did a he donated them for this uh, this eBay auction thing that was to raise money for uh, the United Cancer Front, which is an organization that helps people who are battling cancer. And mm. that that was the the final you know stage I, in the life of these paintings. I yeah. love it when artists do that. I I know yeah. that now now out now now a lot of out okay a lot of artists can't <laughs> do that right right because they just yeah. can't afford to do something like that. But Alex Ross definitely can because uh-huh. I mean he makes. You know his commissions are something He's, like a like like I mean they're they're literally like twenty five thousand dollar commissions, right? Um, yeah, something like that. I mean he makes a lot of money, yeah. um doing what he does, and I'm sure he got paid a buttload to do these. Probably probably half a million, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. To to do these pieces, and so that's all well and good. So he made uh you know a bunch of money, and and you know he could have sold these paintings. And made just as much again. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. And he did. 
Yeah, yeah. he didn't. He just he just was like, no, I made my money off of these, and now I can give them up for charity and and you know give that money away to them. And I right. and I love that because I mean, selling your original art is a is a is a major way uh, that comic book artists uh, supplement their income. Mm-hmm. Um, and survive yeah <laughs> and survive is they sell original pages uh mm-hmm. after after already you know getting them printed in the comic so they get their page rate whatever that is mm-hmm. uh and then and then they sell the original art later at like conventions or through a dealer or whatever yeah um, it's one of the big struggles with uh comic book artists currently because uh, they, a lot of them are going to digital, which means they don't have original art to sell, which means oh. they're, they're struggling more because they, uh, they can't supplement their income with that original art. So they do a lot more like convention sketches and things like that. Right. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So there, there's a, there's a way of, you know, commissioning, getting artwork commissioned and then giving them the artwork. They use it in a digital format. And so you get your original art back and most artists would resell that original artwork to mm-hmm. make, you know, double their money essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Alex Ross chose to give them away, which is, I mean, it's incredible because these are probably some of his most famous pieces that he's yeah. ever done because they're in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people do tend to forget because like comic book mu- movies are huge but like more people see the movies than read the comics it's right. not even close so it's he had like a cash cow on hand yeah. and he basically was just like no let's, let's raise some money for for yeah. uh, united cancer front and I, right. I i really respect that of course couched in the idea of if you are in the unique position that Alex Ross is in, where you are right. an artist who's not struggling to live, yeah, uh, you know, you have no need, no no reason to supplement your income. Yeah, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, great, that's great. But uh, if if you do need to supplement your more power to you, please Re- do. Yes, resell those original pages, <laughs> original artwork, all you want. Uh, good lord. Yeah. Still to this day, I can't believe he hasn't done a movie poster. Oh God! Right? Like, I mean, I mean, the closest he ever did was he did like <laughs> he did a poster for the Academy Awards once, but that right. was because it was like Batman themed. So they're like, get a comic book artist to design yeah. this one. Like, it's yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing that's so maddening is like, yes, he's technically a comic book artist, but only but, technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like his whole thing is that he makes comic book art that doesn't look like comic book art. Like, right. so why? I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, he could be uh, the next. He, I mean, he kind of already is the next Drew Struzan, you know, in a just way. Like not just not working in his medium, right? Exactly. Why isn't Why isn't he working in that medium? I, yeah, uh, crazy. Even um, if it was just like one off, like prints or something, where it was like you know, well, there are some companies that do like a a poster for a movie that already came out, but this is a much prettier poster for it. Like, oh yeah, I would totally totally buy Alex Ross versions of like MCU movies or whatever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, um, heck yeah, yeah. Oh, could you imagine him doing a, a poster for First Avenger? Oh. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. I just yeah. made myself sad. Um, it's okay. Um, I guess we could talk about the pieces themselves and, sure. and the, pe- the people in it to a degree. I mean, so we, we sort of start off with the Toby uh, getting bit by a spider bit. Um, the for... looking down at the spider yeah. biting his hand. Uh, it's it's a good piece. I I like that it's glowing red 
Yeah. Um, and and the reason that I, I like that the whole piece is glowing red is that um, it is it is a weird uh, combo piece because it's not just recreating the scene from the first movie. It's also right. recreating the panel. Yes. From, yeah. Uh, from Amazing, Fan- Amazing Fantasy. Fantasy. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was which was, you know, he's got the like the red like pain lines behind him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's that looking same, down at his hand. Right. Yeah. That same angle. And so he's sort of combining the two things. It's a really nice piece. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely one of my favorite, not my favorite, but one of my favorite in this uh, in this credit series sequence. that they yeah. do. Yeah, I think yeah. it's excellent. Um, and sort of a strange omission that we don't have one for Kristen Dunst when she pops up. That's right. like a photo photo manipulation that they yeah. have in there. It's a um, nice photo manipulation. Though. Oh, it looks cool as all get out. Yeah. Um, and that's more... Um, I don't know who took the, the photograph itself, but that's Kyle Cooper, the t- the titles designer, uh, coming up with the the look of it and how to integrate it too. And it's like as if the comic panels were like splintering off and helping to shape that image there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really I mean, it's cool. not like they they try to hide it and make it look like it's one of the paintings. It's like one of the only ones that's images that's in black and white and whatnot. Um, right. But it's it's a striking shot, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty K- cool. Kirsten Dunst uh, between. Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, she starred in Mona Lisa Smile. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and one of my personal favorites, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. God, I loved oh, with 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 movie. future Bruce Banner himself. <laughs> uh, dancing half naked on a bed together. <laughs> yeah, old, uh, what, what, Ruffalo. Mar- Ruffalo yeah, the Buffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah. He, they're they're both great in that. Also, oh, Elijah Wood. She she has one of my uh, yeah Elijah Wood too. She she mm. has one of my um my like low key most quoted lines <laughs> ever uh, is her is her line in Eternal Sunshine uh, when mm. she's le- listening back to the recording of her before she erases her memory, um, mm. where she's like uh, where she says um, in the recording she's like. Uh, he never, he never hit on me. I like that. Uh, and just like the way that she says, I like that. I, <laughs> I quote that all the time. <laughs> I just, when I, I like, <laughs> I like that. Um, I like that. Like, yeah. yeah. And no one knows that I'm quoting it. Cause it's, it's just, it's just for me. It's one for it's me. It's just for you. Yeah. yeah. That, like, um, that, that in unique cadence that like sticks in your brain. The one I always think of in that vein where I think of it all the time, but nobody else knows what it is, is. Allison Hannigan and Buffy, like her very first appearance, talking about her uh, Barbie doll getting killed or whatever, uh, you know. And oh, did you ever get the Barbie back? And she goes, "Most of it." Like she has this like <laughs> <laughs> this like super chipper energy with like a sentence that isn't chipper. And I I think of that all the time. And it's like mm. I can't really quote it because it doesn't really make sense, but it's there in my head. Nobody yeah. else knows but me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. No, my 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 two biggest ones are probably. Are probably uh, uh, you know that one the 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 I like that um, and uh, uh, I think most of the time when people when I quote that I think sometimes people think I'm doing the Joker from the Dark Knight and I'm not um, oh oh no <laughs> I like that um, oh no 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 yeah no that's a different that's a totally different thing um, no this is more genuine uh, yeah I guess that's genuine just in a gross way anyway yeah um, yeah. But no, the other one is uh, I care. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> K- 
care about uh uh when she like when Princess Leia like leaves the cockpit, she's just like, yeah. he doesn't care. Your friend doesn't care about anything or anyone. And he's like, I care. Um, I care. <laughs> yeah, to himself after she leaves. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Star Wars. Anyway. Um <laughs> speak, speaking of them. Yeah, secret yeah. quotes. A not too uncommon uh topic of discussion or allusion on dueling genre podcast network. No. Um yeah. It's really great. Um, I get then the next big one. I mean, we could have this conversation now if we want. Uh, okay, but I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, it's, we have to. I'm I'm almost wondering because you know, full disclosure, I haven't heard from the the previous minute when we recorded this minute. Um, we're gonna have to talk about James Franco mm-hmm. at some point, mm-hmm. and we we might as well talk about it now in the credits before we're like really thoroughly in the the weeds of the um the movie itself and whatnot um uh, addressing the franco elephant in the room yeah um so obviously there have been some allegations that have come out about him uh they're not great nope nope <laughs> they're not they're not great he's a creep we're basically saying on this show that we when we talk about we're we're, we're sort of making a pact to try and talk about Harry and Franco's performance as Harry as the character and not really, you know, applauding James Franco as an artist mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. It, it, it's going to be difficult not to talk about him because he is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but we, we're, we're basically movie. just trying to, I hate to use <laughs> that term, separate the art from the artist, but right, that's why we're sort of like, mostly bunk. <laughs> right. That's why, exactly. That's why we're front loading it. I think. Yeah. Um, the idea is if we stopped every time he comes up in the movie to talk about it, it would it would be very... It would derail it, the whole show. It would derail time. the whole show, yeah. yeah. And it's like this movie, when we praise this movie and we, and we care about this movie, we're not praising him. And this movie is bigger than just his contributions to it. So mm-hmm. it would be nice if we have all of our cool guests on and talk about this movie and uh, that... It, that hasn't been ripped away from us because just because like one guy on is well one guy we know about is a is a douchebag um right we're gonna be on the ride for a while here and as if we just like have some time straight up at the beginning where we're like this man behaved extremely inappropriately with like people that were in his acting classes and short films uh outside of his main hollywood career uh that's why it makes it a little easier to just like set it off to the side. Not that we're saying that something this important should be not talked about or set off to the side in general or ignored. Uh, just that within the, the overall balance of the season, we might as well just like have our gosh, this guy sucks uh, party now. Because right. <laughs> We'd rather have it in the one spot than several. On that same side of things, I think it's only mm-hmm. fair to also bring up the Tobey Maguire stuff which yeah. while isn't i don't believe is is entirely sexual in nature the way that they, right. where James Franco's are They're, he still treated someone very very poorly a lot of someone's very very poorly according to mm-hmm. you know the Molly's game book and everything uh mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know he he was supposedly i should say supposedly cuz we don't actually know <laughs> sure, um, sure, sure. For, for sure but supposedly he was the actual player X in Molly's game, who in the movie was played by uh, Michael Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly that character was actually based on Tommy McGuire. Right. Um, uh, which. 
again, is not entirely unsurprising given who he like palled around with back right. in the day and what they called themselves. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it it's the thing is like, what are, should we just stop talking about these movies? I mean, I don't think you guys want us to do that. Right, um, right. I, I mm. would hope you don't want us to do that. Uh, and I don't want to do that because I still love these movies, uh, despite the fact that we have two, we have one definite problematic person and another one who is um, quite possibly uh, problematic, just not in the same way. Uh, right, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is just part of dealing with art that's made by large groups of people mm-hmm. and um specifically because the format we have is so long-winded and and elaborate you know minute by minute throughout the the film um it's not as if that conversation can happen at a normal pace so uh i, I it sucks and it's and it's part of life but they don't get to take spider-man away from us right or you right you know like right. The characters are still meaningful and the story is still meaningful. Right. And and if, again, like, your threshold for that is different, like, the, then by all means, there's no judgment there if you don't want to engage with art uh, that, that features people that um, that you can't stomach to be around. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, at least, where we've come to, barring some even more major things coming out, uh, we're just going to... We're just going to forge ahead and talk about Spider-Man 2 because the movie is what we care about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and so moving along from that, mm-hmm. we get the Alex Ross painting of James Franco as Harry Osborn, uh, yes. which is an incredible likeness for the Harry Osborn in Spider-Man 2, not... <laughs> The one in Spider-Man. Uh, right, th- because this we've is, sort of... <laughs> this is not the first movie's Harry Osborn uh, yeah, by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe gotten away from this a little bit, but the point of this section of the credits is to like be a refresher for the first film. Like The idea is that this is a... A prologue, you know, like, a, like, oh, remind you of what happened in the first movie, but, we, you know, through this sort of uh, beautiful painterly iconography. It's like a, I don't know, a set of rose-colored glasses for the first film. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense in that context because it's not from the first film at all. It's no. just, it's long hair Harry. It's, uh, you know, yeah. full-on business suit man. And guy, it's but. and it's the it's the Harry in this movie who has gained like 30 pounds of muscle. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he graduated, he, he left college, and now he's been working out a lot. Uh, Heck yeah, know. he is. Yeah. So um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what this is, but it's weird. <laughs> it's very strange. It's, it's very strange. Um, and then we have two more Spideys back to back. The first one being the uh, the mirror shot. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those iconic ones. And it's a again a sort of idealized version of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Toby wasn't quite this ripped in that minute. Of it was the film. very. It's very veiny. Um, yeah <laughs> i mean he was pretty he was pretty ripped it's 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 the arms everything else seems fairly accurate um, yeah 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 because he just... definitely was ripped uh, yeah totally yeah the arms are um i mean those are those are like pythons choking a rat i don't <laughs> i mean it's ridiculous uh they were not that he was he he looks like randy Sa- like it looks like randy savage's arms uh, right yeah his body like, <laughs> but it's i mean it's a great i mean you know in terms of like 
classical physique shenanigans. Like, hey, that's a that's a work of art right there that you made, Alex Ross. Sure thing. is. Yep, that that's what that is. Uh, good. And then, and then we'll have uh, Randy Savage himself in a second. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, there it is. It's crazy. These like same the, arms. <laughs> how how quickly? Yeah, how quickly they go through these. Um, but again, that's sort of the the approach that they decided to go with with this credit sequence. The idea that like we'll have these iconic moments sort of caught in time the way that they might feel as if you were flipping through uh, a comic or something like that. I wonder, I wonder if Alex Ross chose which moments Mm -hmm. or if he chose like 30 moments and did thumbnail sketches and then they chose like the, how how many pieces total? Uh, It's 15, I think. 15. And then maybe they chose the 15 to use. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, don't know. I mean, I guess tomorrow I can get a little bit a little bit more into the uh, actual um, <laughs> decision making process that resulted in these in this version of the title sequence. So maybe mm-hmm. at some point with the old version of the title sequence, when they were coming up with the idea of uh, comic panel montage to show the previous film, maybe they locked down which scenes they wanted then, and then yeah. were able to just go to Alex and be like, "These are the ones we want. Can you make them quickly?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, that's what I do." Um, I do, I, I, I do yeah. really like this cage match uh, bit. It's just interesting because I don't, I don't think it's a necessary part of this origin, you know? Yeah. Like, like, cause the next one is him letting the, 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 you know, uh, what was his name? The Papa John. Oh yeah. Papa <laughs> let John. It, yeah. yeah let, the... Letting Papa John go by. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of all you really needed. I don't think you needed the wrestling part, but I guess <laughs> it's neither here nor there. I don't know. I, but I will say the, that Papa John is looking real, real sinister. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's, he's leaning into those like tricks in terms of like this being a, almost a hybrid style between his like nigh perfect, oil painterly uh, uh you know likenesses of people and you know it's a more graphic comic style that you might have in a traditional comic book right papa john has been rendered like at a lot lower resolution with these like dark washes and this like this like almost black black areas in there it's it's you know if maybe you don't quite remember that scene so well from the previous film uh when this pops up you can be like oh yes sinister oh okay yeah like right. that's <laughs> that's guy. the bad guy yeah. bad guy got away now his uh now his uncle's shot. I'd be curious to like hear from someone. I don't know if any of our guests this season are in this boat, but like somebody who saw Spider-Man 2 without seeing the first Spider-Man movie mm. and if this was enough of a primer, you know, because we're sort of we're hitting all of the beats of the first film um it that feels they, yeah. it feels to me like it's more for people who haven't seen the first movie since they saw it in theaters. Yeah. Okay, that's a good way to, to phrase it. Yeah. That that's yeah. that's it feels more like a refresher than a <laughs> uh you know, than a uh now you don't Previously have to watch the first movie. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is not a substitute. This is a uh get you get you back into gear for right. it. Uh, then we get we get my my favorite piece I think in the mm. whole thing uh which <sighs> is the death of Uncle Ben, which is just yeah. an absolute beautiful piece. I love that the uh the crowd behind them he's just mm-hmm. he's just smeared lines of of like stripes of paint behind yeah them yeah for the crowd this, um it's cool this sort There's of watercolor wash mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's really nice and also that like uh 
you know, Cliff Robertson is kind of done in his, uh, with striking detail and whatnot, but Toby is almost a complete, uh, silhouette, silhouette there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, it's little... it's good, and then like all the white around it almost makes look makes it look like. I mean, it just makes you think. You know, like oh, this guy's dying. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing it's, what art can it's, do. God, it's really. He's pretty good at this painting thing. I don't know. Uh, is yeah. he? Is he? Um, yeah. <laughs> is he though? Is he? <laughs> um, if if that's the 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 favorite one of the my my other favorites is um, the. We only get like such a quick shot of it here. I think I we return to it later in the sequence. But this quick shot of the Norman Osborne, like yes. Green Goblin, uh, I like that could 100% be a cover to a comic that would just fly off the shelves. It yep. is, it's so good. It's such a great likeness of Willem Dafoe, but it's also such a intense, creepy, you know cartoonish evil thing and with the the green lighting which isn't there in the actual film uh this like green cast light on one side of his face yeah. and then and the ghost of the it really helmet. shows you you know we talked about it so much last season about how like you could have just painted Willem Dafoe's face and he would have been a great goblin yeah, uh, yeah. and then you see it here and it's just like yeah no he has a goblin face like that there it is there is the goblin face right there yeah, yeah. um god it's it's really it's nice. really good it it really leans into um all of Alex Ross's strengths mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a as an artist uh yeah. this Willem Dafoe because Willem Dafoe's face is like I mean, we talked about it all last season. It's one of the most interesting looking faces yeah. in Hollywood. <laughs> it's, it catches light really interestingly. It's like all these cool angles on it. And it, yeah. it's just like, you know. A plus. Yeah, A plus. Let's, uh, an ode to Willem Dafoe's face. Uh. <laughs> and then we get our first shot of Spider-Man, uh, which is rendered in Alex Ross's Spider-Man style, not in the style of the movie. It's like, right. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that actually does bug me a little bit about, Oh, (laughs) about these is I just go, I just like, you know, you got everything, you nailed everything else. And then you're just like, I'm just going to draw Spider-Man. Like I want to, like I want to. Yeah. There's an aspect of it where it's almost like, I know better. Like, um, I mean, it's beautiful art of course, like in terms of of like technical ability and yeah, his his take on the raised webbing, I think, is a good, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A good compromise, I guess, yes. in terms of, like, yeah, how's this go? It's just barely raised there, but you can tell, oh, this is the webbing from the previous It's movie. almost, it's, um, it makes it, it gives it almost, like, a quilt-like appearance. Yeah, almost Shocker-esque or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but <laughs> the main thing is that, like, he just straight up, he just paints the fabric as, you know, flat fabric, and the eyes he just completely redoes back to you know an old john romita style eye because that's how he did it in marvels that's his spider-man so that's who we're gonna get in this in this sequence um and then uh this is probably his rendering of jk simmons as j jonah jameson is my favorite Mm -hmm. j jonah jameson ever oh it's good oh man it's It's, really good it's it's jj it's just a hundred percent classic JJ. The only the only bad part about this piece is that he's got um his eye line feels a little off. He's not looking at the newspaper that he's supposedly looking at, so it looks like he has dead eyes a little bit. Yeah. Or he's um, just like staring vacantly in the distance or yeah, something. Yeah. It's a little weird. 
I don't know. I mean, the piece is probably bigger than what we're getting in this piece, and he's probably looking at like Peter or something yeah, standing yeah, there. Yeah, there's something on the other side. But but we're It'd not. It'd be nice to find like there. a gallery of. I I I did some research trying to find one of like all the full pieces, but they were. Mm. It was difficult to actually locate. But yeah, that would be a fun one to to look at the full full thing for. Um, the upside down kiss is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's it. A, it's a great one. It just it sells the feeling of that scene, and we've got like the the score coming in here at the same time, right as we have the music by Danny Elfman credit, and it's, you know, there's just a little too much pink between their mouths uh, <laughs> that I can't quite identify biologically. Um, What's going on in there? Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, it looks but, like it looks like they're sharing a piece of bubble gum. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, that was a. <laughs> We met, that was a deleted scene in the first one. Oh, okay. Where, uh, yeah, he's like, do I get to say thank you this time? Only if you chew some gum first and then you trade it. Like, That's too gross. Um, but I do, <laughs> in terms of like tone and mood and like the way he renders the idea of the falling rain mm-hmm. with it, the background is only, the, the background only exists as seen through the falling rain and it's all yeah. done at this great angle. It's just like, yeah, it's really yeah, it's good. good. It's good art. And it's it's prepping us like to, you know, enter back into this world. Uh, and I think it's a good way to do it um, in terms of this is a comic book character. This is this is part of our cultural touchstone now. Mm-hmm. And have Norman, modern-day Norman Rockwell do it. Perfect. It's just, it's everything coming together the way that everything came together at that moment in the film. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on board. Uh, and I think that's, uh, I think that wraps us up for this minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, uh, guys, you should go to duelinggenre.com slash merch and uh, go visit our Tee Public store where you can buy all kinds of designs. Uh, and, and and you know, we have new Spider-Man Minute uh, Season 2 designs from our artist, uh, Kevin Ziegler. Yeah! And then we also uh, have, like, a whole store, Spider-Man Minute store with lots of designs in there that you can buy and... Uh, you can also uh, you can also if you buy stuff from T Public a lot, um, you mm-hmm. can just bookmark duelinggenre.com slash merch. Go ahead and just bookmark that for us, and then anytime you want to buy anything from T Public, go through our our link, and uh, we'll get a little cut of anything you buy, even if you don't get it through our store. You just get any design right. off of T Public, and we you know T Public gives us a gives us a little off the top. Um, which is uh, very much appreciated. Yes. So, uh, yes. Very helpful <laughs> to, to pay the bills and, uh, and whatnot. So go, go, uh, go check that out. Uh, duelinggenre.com slash merch. Take you to our tea public store. We'd appreciate it. And uh, we'd also appreciate it if you'd come back tomorrow for minute three. Bye. Bye.